0: I'm actually not preaching, but I did want to do a really quick introduction. Um, so I think most of you know Lisa Ruby, Lisa and her wife, Lisa. Yay! Yay. <laughs> founding members, founding, Lisa Ruby is a founding board member. She's our current board president, has been for the last few years. Second time preaching, so I thought I would just make sure that we have a more formal introduction. Supposed to preach last week and it got canceled and it's like well, the universe is conspiring against her teaching here. Um, No, she'll do a great job. She's been with the Poverty Law Center, the Michigan Poverty Law Center for 31 years. Also been a lecturer at the university, has worked with a lot of people who uh, need legal aid and are low income. Just an all around good human. So anyway, give Lisa a warm welcome. Morning, church. Hi, it's been an exciting morning. Okay, well, glad to see you all. Old faces, new faces, good to be here. I can't really see you with my readers on, so it's probably better. So um, we're now in our third week of Advent, and as Emily talked about a couple of weeks ago, Advent is a season when we're called to observe and reflect on how we can prepare ourselves for the arrival of Jesus. And as we think about what that means... We might think about it in a way that we can find a way to thrive, not just survive, the holiday season. It's so easy to forget the origin of the celebration as we are inundated with gift ads, social invitations, Christmas cards, um, and Christmas carols everywhere we go. There's also the fun stuff like you know corny holiday movies, Christmas cookies, <laughs> the Hallmark Channel, which is on in my house pretty much 24-7. and. Regardless of where it's coming from, though, whether it's good, bad, external, internal, there's a lot of noise around and within us, and it decreases this time of year. So, the Advent season encourages us to pause, take a breath, remember, reflect, and practice behaviors that will bring us comfort and joy during the Christmas season and, and hopefully all year round. So, just to help you all ground yourselves in what it means to be in Advent, um, Advent was around by about the 3rd or 4th century AD, and though no one is exactly sure when it became sort of a ritual and something that people observed every year, scholars do believe that it became something regular sometime after December 25th was chosen as the day that we celebrate the birth of Christ. And it made sense to carve out a month prior to that, and there's various theories about why December 25th was chosen as the day for Jesus' birth. But it's the shortest day of the year and there was already celebrations in place to mark the winter solstice and to celebrate the sun god as the days got longer. So this can be a difficult time of year, especially if you live in a climate such as Michigan's. And I was writing this and I was thinking about the Zoomies who are not all experiencing what we're experiencing. But the days grow shorter while the nights get longer and many of us are waking up in the dark and the cold and they're leaving work at the end of the day in the dark. And the cold. And as Emily talked about two weeks ago, we're keeping watch for signs of hope and for breakthroughs in the darkness and for the light that is Christmas Day. And where when we're experiencing so many hours in the dark, it can resonate within us in a very concrete way. We anticipate the winter solstice and for daylight to extend its hours, which feels hopeful in and of itself, but it feels like it takes a long time. To get there. So the winter solstice this year is I think on Wednesdays the 21st. The sun will be at its highest point at noon, and the day will be the shortest, and the night will be the longest. But after that, it'll get lighter, and daylight will extend its hours, and that feels hopeful in and of itself. So as we wait and we watch, it may be difficult to do so patiently while we're feeling anxious, stress overwhelmed, and exhausted. And what these weeks of Advent encourage us to do is to wait and watch with hope, with peace, and with joy, as much as that is possible. So today we lit the candles for peace and joy, and peace is a term we use often, right? So we talk about peace and quiet, go in peace, peace be with you, peace out. Um, So, you know, sort of an obvious definition of peace is the absence of violence or war, or conflict. And during Advent, those are all great things to participate in, to pray for the end of those things. And I'm not discouraging those activities, but let me offer an additional definition of peace that is reflected in the teachings of Jesus and might require a little bit more of you. So let me suggest to you that the peace of Advent and of Jesus is calm, serenity, and a sense that everything will work out as it should in the end. Even while unrest is around us, this peace can be found. For example, when Jesus and his disciples were caught in a terrible storm, in a boat, in the middle of a lake, what was Jesus doing? Sleeping. Sleeping, that's right. He was sleeping. And this is the peace I'm talking about today, finding rest while a storm may rage around you. So Jesus preached this peace. In John 14, he tells his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus spoke these words soon after the Last Supper as he was preparing his disciples for what he knew would be the worst of times ahead. Knowing the level of despair that would soon be coming, he advises them that peace can still be found through him and within themselves, that it's not dependent on what the world gives you. Even amidst the most terrible of losses, calm can be found. But it's not easy to find and it's not easy to keep. But scripture keeps reminding us that though it may be hidden, it is there and it's available to us. So not only is the word word peace mentioned in the Bible 429 times, Jesus is referred to as the Prince of Peace. The prophet Isaiah predicts the coming of Jesus, talking about a future for Israel. He tells us that God will send a child who will become king, but not just a king, the Prince of Peace. It's written in Isaiah 9, For unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given, and the government will be called upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Other passages also set the table for a peace to come. So you may all know in a Charlie Brown Christmas, when Charlie Brown is despondent because he can't find the meaning of Christmas, who appears but Linus, quoting Luke, where he says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now, you might be thinking at this point, yeah, that's just great for Jesus and Bible study, but it's not easy when it happens in our day-to-day lives. Peace escapes us, especially now during the holiday season. It can be such an incredibly time of, incredibly hard time for so many people, even for people who love Christmas and everything that comes with it. It doesn't exist in a vacuum. We are regularly engaging with our Families, partners, children, co-workers, general society who have high expectations of you know, the joy of Christmas, and yet we are all navigating the chaos and the noise. So how do we find peace to let the joy in during this time of year? How do we drop beneath the surface chaos to find that? Well, Paul makes it sound easy. He writes in Philippians, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Or, in a more secular faith way, your church friends may say, let go and let God. Jesus, take the wheel. Um, and so that's the message, right? God has this. It's going to be okay. So stop worrying. Um, but my guess is that if you're thi- many of you are thinking, "For only that easy, right? We let go, and then we hold back on. We put it down, we pick it right back up again. But Advent calls upon us to double off our efforts to eke out some type of quiet and peace, even as the challenges of life take on heightened intensity, even during this time of year. But I'm encouraging you, don't give up. Even by just being here, you're carving out time for yourself, and you're honoring the spirit of Advent. Um, and if you're up for it, I have some practices that... You might try to help you find some peace during this holiday season and and the other 11 months of the year. First, let's try to reframe the holiday season. We tend to get swept up in all of the activities and all the things we're supposed to do, and we recreate behaviors that have not served us in the past. So let's flip the switch and disrupt the status quo, the same way Jesus disrupted the status quo when he was on earth. Whether it's in your own life or your family or your place of work or the line of traffic, we can choose to act in ways that are peacefully disruptive and in turn encourage others to do the same, especially your kids or other people who look up to you. So my first suggestion is practicing forgiveness. And I'm sure you're thinking like, oh, really? Um, but what does it mean to forgive? And why is, it, why is it good for us? So let's zoom out for a minute. Um, we're thinking about forgiving someone. We're experiencing hurt and disappointment. Someone has said or done something or not said or done something. We believe they should have done. And saying you forgive someone is not the same as actually doing it. We may have an argument with a partner or a child, and they say, are you still mad at me? And we say no, because we want the illusion of peace to return. And they might even apologize. But unless we actually forgive them, there's no internal benefit. We continue to struggle, and we may even have resentment towards that person. Choosing to forgive means we actively release negative feelings towards that person. And we might not think they deserve it, but we're not doing it for them, we're doing it for us. Understand that the act of forgiving, it takes strength. And the good news is the act of forgiving leads to less depression, stress, and anger for us. So there's an old saying that says, being angry is like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. Our anger or hurt doesn't necessarily impact the person that it's directed towards, especially if they don't think they did anything wrong. We are the ones who suffer sometimes we need to forgive people we know we'll never see again like the driver who cuts us off in traffic and though not easy i'm here to tell you that we can practice forgiveness unlike other habits we can practice we may never be perfect but we can keep trying holding a grudge may feel like you're getting the upper hand especially when you you cut someone out of your life or you keep them at arm's length and you feel so righteous because they deserve it but the negative feelings they're only harming you So remember, forgiveness happens within us. It's our choice. And the other person need not be involved. They may not even know that you've forgiven them. It is an act purely for you and for your inner peace. And if you're troubled right now as I'm talking, you might be thinking, hmm, um, you might try now to find a path to letting that thing go and releasing it. So, but how do we make that happen? How do we forgive? Where do we start when all we can do is ruminate on the thing that happened that is causing us pain and hurt and anger. Well, empathy is a great place to start. Empathy is not easy. Empathy asks us to put ourselves in someone else's shoes. We might not be ready for that. Or we might feel that the other person just does not deserve our understanding. They're not worthy. And yet, are we not all worthy of God's mercy and grace? But we get mad and we're venting to a friend and, and that friend says, well, look at it from their perspective. And you respond, I thought you had my back. You don't want to hear that. It's so easy to get buried in our own reality that we forget that it's just that. It only exists in our heads even when we're convinced that we are right. So one thing to try is if the person we're angry with and it's someone we care about, we can try thinking about all the good memories we have with that person and why we're in relationship with them to begin with. And this isn't easy because we're so mad. But even now, you can implant a little voice in the back of your mind. You can think back to this sermon and be like, yeah, what did Lisa say that whispers and reminds you of the person's value to you, and you can let that little voice disrupt the flood of negative emotions and point you towards a better path. Journaling is also a good place to practice empathy. No one will give you pushback. No one, you know, saying that, why should you forgive that person? They don't deserve it, it's just you. And you can create little prompts that might help you uh, to look at it from the other person's perspective. Is your boss under a, a lot of pressure? Do people sometimes say things they don't mean? Do you always act in perfect ways? and never do the wrong thing. So we, we simply don't know what has happened before our negative interaction with someone. So remind yourselves over and over that all of us deserve grace. All of us are human. Keep picking it up, even if you put it back down again. And, and remember, forgiveness is not just for others. We also need to forgive ourselves. Uh, telling someone else you're sorry is helpful, but it's not always something we're comfortable with. And God might forgive us. We know that God has mercy and grace, but Is that enough, and will it soothe our inner turmoil? Remember, when we hold on to mistakes we've made in the past, we chain ourselves to a reality that no longer exists. We are sacrificing all the beauty and love that is around us right now. And we can ask others to forgive us, but just as our forgiveness of others is internal, so is our forgiveness of ourselves. It's a personal journey, and we have no control over whether someone else will forgive us. And sometimes it's difficult or it's impossible to ask. Sometimes all we can do is take responsibility and try to do better going forward, disrupt your negative thoughts about yourself, the thoughts you might have about regret, you could have done something differently, and be grateful that you have the insight to know that you made a mistake and you'll try to do better. And finally, there's gratitude. Expressing gratitude is so good for our mental health. Now, some of you may know the song, Come Fall on Us, which I love that song. It has the line, a thankful heart prepares the way for you, my God. Advent is the time when we're preparing for God's arrival. And gratitude makes us more optimistic and feeling better about our lives. When you feel unsettled and the stress of the holidays is swirling around you, take a moment, drop beneath it, express your gratitude for all the things you have and all the things you don't have. You're right where you need to be. So you can use these tools of forgiveness and gratitude to disrupt the noise around you with peace. These are habits and responses you can work on all year round. During Advent, my suggestion is to remind yourself. Put up sticky notes with words of inspiration. In the midst of an argument with your partner, stop and remind yourself why you love that person, which is not always easy. Um, Ask for a redo. Can we just start this over again? You said something you didn't mean. Let's just start over. Both of you have to agree to that, which doesn't always work. If you're about to flip someone off in traffic, instead wish them peace. Hug your hormonal child until they squirm and then make them waffles. Call an old friend, make amends, say a prayer of gratitude for what you have and that you are loved. And if you're in this room, you're loved. Remember, Jesus disrupted the status quo of his time with his message of love and peace. And we can do the same and we can find the cracks in the darkness that led in peace and light during this season so that's the end of the formal sermon Um, but at the end we like to take a time of meditation so I'm going to invite you all sit back relax put your feet on the floor if they're not already there for yourself in your chairs um, take a deep breath let it out close your eyes if you feel comfortable if not that's fine Um, Just, I want you to imagine yourself, you're in a dark place, a safe, dark place, maybe your bedroom, maybe a car, maybe a plane for some people who are flying, maybe you're outside, and as you sit in that safe, dark place, picture some things around you, they can be concrete, they can be spirits, they can be whatever, that that are troubling you right now. It could be an actual situation at work, it could be something about yourself that you want to change. It could be an argument that you've had. Set them up around you, and then just take a breath and be comfortable waiting in the darkness because you know the light is coming. And as you wait and you watch, you can see the room slowly getting lighter because the sun is coming up. And as the light and the sun and the warmth hits those things around you that you're ready to let go, watch them go. Whatever that looks like for you, they can evaporate, they can melt, they can simply disappear. And let them go as the room or the space you're in fills with light. And then just take another minute or so just to contemplate this, breathe in, breathe out. I'll let you know when about a minute has gone by. Dear Lord, thank you for your love and your grace. Help us to remember that we are loved. And as we wait and watch for the light that is the birth of Jesus, that we can dip beneath the noise and the insanity that can be this season, that we can find peace and gratitude and joy as we wrap ourselves in the love that you bring. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Lisa.